Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone. It is 8 o'clock in the evening on Monday night in Sandusky, Ohio, and 11 o'clock in Melbourne. And welcome to this live episode of A Yank on the Footy for the 21st of March, 2022. I am glad that you're listening. Well, we had a very exciting round one, and I can't wait to talk about some of this as well as some of the key events. But uh, this has been a, uh, a bit of a challenge to get this episode up and running here because, again, I've not done a live episode now in quite a few weeks. So getting this going has been, well, I had to do a bit of a refresher course on it, but it's, uh, it's coming along and I'm in a whole new setting. I just put in a new mic stand here, so I had to make sure everything was working. And I think we're, we're coming through fine here. I'm hearing a little bit of a delay in my own ears, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that is what it is then. So we shall go from there and we'll see what happens then. But, you know, this was an interesting round one here because we had a number of, uh, debuts or debuts, I should say that, uh, were just phenomenal. And some of them were first gamers playing their first game in the AFL. And some of them were getting their, second or third opportunity with a new club. But, uh, you know, Nick Martin, uh, Josh Rochelle, Nick Dacos had fantastic debuts for their clubs, respectively Essendon, Adelaide, and Collingwood. But the one I was really excited about seeing, because I, one, I got this guy on my fantasy team, but uh, it was something that I felt I wanted to do was Tyson Stengel. Because I had read, you know, a number of things about him. Yeah, I know he'd been out of the comp for a season. I'd gone back and had listened to some of the, uh, the, not listened to it. I went back and watched some of the contests that he played when he was with Adelaide. And I think even with Richmond as well. And he just looked like a really phenomenal player. And I was very excited to see him in the hoops, you know, full disclosure, being a cat supporter. And he was, in fact you know, somebody who had a great game. So, you know, I, I wanted to get into talking about those things, but of course also, you know, we've had our first incidents of suspensions for 2022. And I, and I wonder about some of these, you know, we had, uh, you know, Willie Rioli for his, what are we calling that? A hip check that he had on Matt Rowell. I mean, you know, those are the kinds of actions that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, footy fans were excited about. They cheered seeing those types of uh de if you will, as we would call here in the U.S. in the NFL when somebody would make a tackle that the player got de-cleated. Well, that's been pretty much legislated out of the game. And, well, I know that Willie has been out of the game for a while as well, and I thought about making some sort of a snarky comment about him having smoked Matt Rowell, but I thought better of it. I thought maybe I shouldn't say that. Okay, well, I already did. But, you know, that ended up resulting in, right now, a one-game suspension handed down by the uh, the tribunal. And I think they're, they're going to, uh, to argue that one. Of course, the debate then on some of the different programs that I saw since then was saying that that one should have been more because he left his feet. He turned, he was not making a concerted effort to try to catch the ball. He was trying to separate the ball from Matt Rowell, which he did do. And of course, you know, the fact that they did not call a free kick on that, I think that's, that's inexcusable. You know, I don't know if the umpire was sitting there with kind of like a, holy crap, I can't believe that just happened. Look on his face. But, Nonetheless, a free kick didn't happen. You know, Matt Rowell is a tough kid. Hopefully there's nothing uh, long-lasting from that. But, you know, Willie really is going to be out for a game. You know, Rory Sloan is going to be missing a game, it looks like, for having hit uh, Blake Edwards in the eye during their contest with Fremantle as well. 
And then the one that uh, that a lot of people have been talking about is the uh, the Mitch Robinson uh, contact with Xavier Durzma. And he left, you know, there's a situation where they, they, they came together. And if you go back and you watch the video, it sure looks like, you know, Mitch Robinson was trying to come to a stop and that he actually did stop. But Durzma kept moving and contacted him. Now, I again, I've never played the game. I've only seen the game played in person a couple of times, but yeah, I'm watching every game I can on television. In fact, I did watch all nine of them this weekend. But, you know, seeing what happened with regards to to Robinson, I, I, I don't know if there was anything that was malicious in what he did. He was going after the ball. I think he realized he was getting ready to make contact, and he came to a stop. And the player who was injured was the one that continued into him. So uh, are we going to get to a point where we just begin to suspend the player who doesn't get injured? I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm all about wanting to protect players. And, and you know, I, I'm very concerned about, you know, the health and well-being of the players with regards to concussions and, and things down the road with, with CTE, having seen the growth of that here in in football in the U.S. and, you know, what we've seen with, uh, with Polly Farmer. But it certainly didn't look to me like Mitch Robinson had a whole lot of, uh, of malicious intent in that. So I was, I was really surprised to see him get suspended. And this reminded me, actually, there was a women's game in the AFLW that was played in, I think it was in Adelaide. And it was it was a very similar situation, and I can't remember the two players involved, but the ball was down in the in the kind of the, the forward pocket, and they had come together, and the one player had stopped, and the second player came in and hit them, and was was knocked. I don't know if they were unconscious, but they were taking precautions, and they ended up taking this young lady off on a stretcher with the 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 back brace and the neck board, and that sort of thing to help to protect her. But the player who had stopped was it was very much like Miss Robinson's situation that that she had stopped, yet the contact ended up being initiated or followed through upon by the player that got injured. Now, and I did see that that Dersma had a collarbone injury. And and usually when there's a collarbone injury, it means it's broken. And that I don't know if that's the case yet, because I've not seen an updated injury report, but uh it was, you know, it's a contact game. And, you know, I don't know what you can do to legislate all of that sort of thing out of a game unless the game just goes away. I mean, there, there are inherent risks to playing a contact sport like this. You know, do they... And and I know there's a you know a tradition of the of the not wearing any kind of protection other than a mouth guard. And if you saw the little cute YouTube video making its way around uh, the one gentleman explaining the game, which I thought was very funny, you know they talked about that being the only piece of equipment that the players were wearing for protection because teeth were important. Maybe maybe the comp starts to legislate the uh, the headgear. Like a couple of the players in the comp are wearing right now, like I think it's Caleb Daniels, one of them, maybe and uh, Brayshaw. I can't think of the first name right now, but maybe they legislate that that everybody has to wear one of those things. But here's the flip side to that, and this is one of the things that they talk about with regards to football here in the United States, is that if you have the headgear, if or if you have the headgear on, you're likely to use that as a tool or you're starting to feel more safe about your situation because you have that on because some people have actually suggested and, and said, well, maybe football here in the United States, that gridiron, maybe they should do away with some of the padding and go to more of a rugby type situation where there is not nearly as much padding that it, it would kind of compel the athletes to, to play the game properly to protect themselves. Now, again, that's one of those situations where, you know, you're going to have carnage for a generation. You're going to see, you know, significantly up, 
you know, upticks of, of injuries and, and catastrophic things like that happening. So you don't want to have that happen. You don't want to do that, but it's something that's been talked about. It's, it's something that, you know, that some people talk about with regards to, you know, I think the drinking age in Australia is 19, if I'm not mistaken, it's 21 here in the United States, but some, you know, some folks have advocated that, that we should lower the drinking age. Oh, it's 18. Okay. Thank you. Um, but some people here have advocated that we should lower it from 21. You know, the whole thing is, well, yeah, you can join the military and, you know, defend the country, but I can't buy a beer. Uh, it kind of makes sense. But if you were to get rid of drinking ages, and again, I'm, I'm not somebody who consumes much alcohol at all. With one whole side of my family being alcoholics, I tend to stay away from it because I think there is some heredity some heredity there. I think it would be very similar to what I mentioned as far as playing gridiron without helmets. You'd have carnage, but this would be carnage on the roads as a result of accidents and things of that nature. So the fact that there's not, you know, an appreciation or a moderation with it would be would be one thing. And I think that's one thing that maybe people in Europe and countries in Europe have a a significant uh, I don't want to say advantage, but better insight when it comes to that sort of thing. Because I don't think you see the rates of alcohol abuse there that you would see, say, here in the United States. And I have to be honest with you, when I go back and listen to this after I release it, I'm going to wonder to myself just how in the hell I got myself in a position where I went off on this tangent. So let's go ahead and bring it back to footy here and... Let's talk about the uh, the absolutely best story of the weekend. And it had nothing to do with any of the nine games. It was seeing Sam Doherty back out on the ground after his second bout with cancer. You know, it, seeing him kick a goal during the course of the game, that was just that was just gravy on top of the mashed potatoes or icing on the cake or whatever euphemism you want to use. It gave me goosebumps knowing that what he's battled the last few years to get back out there and be able to participate. You know, and this was a, you know, this was a great game. You know, he ended up finishing the game with 26 disposals, you know, so I welcome him back. It was great to see him. And again, I am, I am certainly not a, uh, I'm certainly not a Carlton supporter. And if you haven't heard the story, you know, I was supposed to be on one of the radio shows the Thursday before the grand final. And of course they, uh, they went ahead and uh, hired Michael Voss that day. So I got bumped off the show because they were going to be talking about Vossy having that job. So yeah, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to be an avid Carlton supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but it was great to see that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Somebody just mentioned here that it was great to see him uh, kick that goal. And and you want to see those kinds of things, you know, what you Athletes in all sorts of different situations or people in people in different situations that come back from, you know, a, a, a hardship or some sort of an ordeal that they've overcome, whether it be, you know, an injury or something emotional or whatever, the, whatever the case may be, it's allowed them to conquer that and get back out to do what it is that they love to do, you know, and, and, and I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he has a fantastic year. I hope he has a fantastic rest of his career. And I hope his health stays with him. You know, and, you know, we look at, you know, you know, Patty Cripps, who, you know, has kind of been the face of the blues since I've been watching the game for the last six years or most of those six years. Anyway, you know, Patty Cripps has been somebody who has been, you know, what you think of first when you think of Carlton as they have spun their wheels for the last several years, going through several coaches, trying to get their, their uh, ship righted and going in the correct direction. But, you know, he had a, uh, he had a fantastic outing, but when you look at who they were facing, you know, they were facing, you know, a club that just two years ago won the premiership. And I put them back in the eight this year. I thought they were going to jump up there and it's, uh, I think in many ways they kind of laid an egg. You know, it was not it was not a great showing for Richmond this first time out. You know, you know, Rewalt and Lynch combined for three goals three, but not a whole heck heck of a lot else. 
And, you know, it looks like Rewalt's got a bit of a thumb issue. And, uh, you know, you've got Dion Prestia, who's going to be out with his hamstring again, another injury. You know, I, I still think this club has a lot of talent. And, of course, you know, you've got Buddy coming back from, you know, not necessarily something as severe as, you know, Sam Doherty's battle with cancer. But, you know, a lacerated liver and all the injuries that he went through from last year. It's going to take him a while to get himself, you know, going again. But, I mean, this club has some talent, but has has their window closed. And somebody just mentioned on the, the message board here that Richmond is cooked. Well, that means that my ladder is screwed up for this year because I think I put them in the eight spot this year. Uh, so, And I left Carlton outside of the eight. And that was only because they uh, they'd hired Voss three days too early, so you know the uh, the Tigers have got a grumpy GWS side coming in this week, and GWS played a solid game, but and I'm going to hypothesize what uh, what I think might have happened with them this week because I think they were missing somebody very important. And remember, folks, if you're if you're here and you want to hop on. Drop your email address in the message board, and I'll send you out a link to your uh, to your email, and you can hop on, and we'll we'll go ahead and chat about some things that you want to talk about. Now, again, you know, back to the Blues. One more one from one more second there. Of course, I don't know if you heard, but uh, you know, Michael Voss is going to be missing the game this week because of his exposure to COVID, and uh, you know, I. I I think that that's, you know, it's unfortunate for him. And this was going to be, you know, another opportunity for his side to show that they are kind of reestablished because, you know, they, they just beat a team that's won three out of the last five premierships. And now they're going to be playing a club that played in the grand final last year. So a pretty good benchmark for them. So if they were able to, they're able to win this one and go two and zero on the year. That's a, that's a huge boost for this side. So you know it remains to be seen what happens with them. But I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about what happens with Carlton. But again, not a Carlton supporter at all. Now looking at the the Bulldogs for this year, of course, the the big news is Jack McRae signing a contract extension to take him through 2027, which if I did the math, I think that takes him into his either year 32 or age 32 or 33 season. So it's looking like he's going to be retiring as a one club player with the Bulldogs. Now that opening game, and I don't know what your thoughts are about, you know, the opening game being played on the Wednesday. I know Richmond Carlton has been the traditional first game here for the last many years, but, uh, I kind of like the idea of having the uh, the grand final clubs play against one another to start off the new season. The NFL tends to do that sort of thing if those two clubs are scheduled to play each other. Now, of course, the NFL, not everybody plays each other each year. And, you know, you can actually go and look out into the future, I think through 2027, I believe, or 2028, that they actually have the the – team's future opponents already up and online and it's based upon like for example i'll use the cleveland browns because the, the browns are the, the team that i support this year they play all of the teams in the afc west and the nfc east along with the teams in their their division so that is six ten that's 14 of their 17 games and then there is uh there's a situation there where um, they'll play like one other team from the other two co- teams in the conference that had the same spot in the standings. So they finished in third place this year, I believe. So they would get the third place teams in the other divisions. And now that they've added a 17th game, I'm not sure where that one comes from. I'm not sure where the where that one's going to be uh, going from, but uh yeah, back to the D's and Bulldogs. This was a a a fun matchup, but you know it's uh, yeah the Bulldogs uh, they they battled, 
I tipped the Bulldogs to win this one. I thought they would uh, they would bounce back after the grand final. It didn't happen. You know, I I like to joke about uh, Ben Brown, and from everything I have read about him, he just seems to be an absolutely wonderfully decent man. And 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 when I joke about it, I mean absolutely nothing malicious. Because I, if you've not heard it before, I do joke that every time he takes a mark and is getting ready to take a set shot. I run to my front door to wave because he always runs by my house on his way to taking that set shot. Well, it works for him. So, you know, I, it's kind of fun to say, but you know, he, it works out well for him. You know, he kicked three goals, three, and I'll tell you what, it was refreshing to see him play the way he played this last week because he was up the ground, you know, up into the midfield a little bit. And he wasn't just, you know, planted down in the forward 50, you know, ready for somebody, you know, to drop a kick in there for him to take a mark. So he was all over the ground. So if he's able to do that consistently, that I think that makes Melbourne an even more dangerous club. And and quite frankly, you know, it's interesting to see what's going to happen with Melbourne because, you know, they've got a couple of players who are certainly Brownlow contenders in Christian Petraka and Clayton Oliver. And, this is going to sh- sh- confirm for you, or I was going to say show, this is going to confirm for you just how much of a dork I am because, and I'm sure these guys have never seen the film before. They've never heard the song before, but watching what the two of these guys do, you know, having grown up together, having played together from what I've gathered, it reminds me of a song from a very old movie from back in 1950 a movie called Annie Get Your Gun. And there's a, there's a song in that. This, it's a musical, of course. And it's a song that's sung by Betty Hutton and Howard Keel, where they're, they're basically singing the line, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. And I'm going to post a link to the YouTube video for the song. It's a cute song. And I think it's a great way for, for two you know, teammates to compete with one another to make the other player even better because they're, you know, they're playing off of one another. And if you spend too much time focusing on Petraka, then Oliver is going to kill you. And if you spend too much time on Oliver, then Petraka is going to kill you. So it's a pick your poison kind of a situation here. But uh, I just, I just think it's a, uh, it's a really interesting uh setup that they've got there and, and I think if these guys can keep pushing themselves it can't help but make both of them better as they as they go on here so that's that was that's what I was thinking about the uh the Bulldogs and D's contest there now looking at the the Saints and Magpies now this was not a terribly exciting game but if you're a Magpie supporter you had to be pretty thrilled about what you saw okay first and foremost I was completely wrong. I, I tipped Mason Cox to, to kick three goals this past week. That didn't happen. I believe he had three tackles. So there's that. I think the, I think the, the prescription glasses for him will be helpful, but I'm sure he's going to catch some heat about that. But Patrick Lipinski had a fantastic debut for the Magpies coming over from the Bulldogs. And, you know, he had 30 disposals. He had a goal. And, Jordan DeGoey reminded every Magpie supporter why they cringe every time he goes out after dark because he had a phenomenal game. You know, 27 disposals, a couple of goals, and he's just just a talented, talented young man. But the club, I'm sure, is consistently concerned about what's going to happen. What problems could we possibly have arise and hopefully none you know knock on wood no more arise that he doesn't have any more issues you know is this incident from this last year where you know he's learned his lesson if you will well i i don't know about that but hopefully he focuses on playing footy and uh because when he does that he does it pretty damn well and of course you can't you can't not talk about the, the debut of Nick Dacos and uh, you know, two goals, three, just a lot of fun 
watching this young man realizing that there's going to be a, you know, a decade, if not more of him playing at this kind of level, if everything works out right. And of course I watched that then and I'm thinking to myself, good grief. I'm going to be almost 70 when this guy retires. Well, actually when he does retire, I will be 70. I'll be 70 plus. So that's a little sobering, a little, uh, little humbling there, but yeah, the magpies, this is a club that, uh, I think is, you know, it's one that a lot of people said, yeah, they're, they're rebuilding. But if you go back and you look at their list, they've got some talented players still on this list. You know, I I'll tell you what I, and I, I say this probably far too often, but I would love to have Brody Majacek on my club. I would love to have him playing on my side because he does everything pretty darn well. It's just, you know, it's a really, really good side. And I, I'm, uh, I just, I just wonder how much they're going to fall before. No. Yeah. I don't think they're going to play finals either, but I just, I think that they're going to, you know, I don't think they're going to fall as far as they, they might fall. You know, you've got you've got some talented folks there. You know, Taylor Adams is still there. You know, you've got uh, you know, you got the older Dacos. You know, Dugowie is there, of course. You know, Jamie Elliott, who still is not thirty yet, but there's some talent there, and you know, it just remains to be seen where it goes from here and how quick this rebuild happens. Now, moving on to yeah, I. I was supposed to have a, a friend come over to watch this game who is an Essendon supporter. Uh, he wasn't able to make it. So I watched uh, the cats and bombers game by myself. And I think he's probably happy that he didn't show up. And uh, yeah, and I completely forgot about uh, Brody Grundy. Yeah. I almost didn't recognize him with the haircut, but uh, looking at the cats game with the, with Essendon, I was shocked the way that this one played out. You know, Essendon, in the minds of many people, is an up-and-coming side. It's a young side that's growing. The Cats, of course, have the reputation of being, you know, the the folks that get up to get to the early bird special for dinner at 4.30 so they can be home in bed by 8. You know, that they are a very senior side. And everything that we heard during the training sessions this year were that this club was going to get out and they were going to run more. They were going to try to be faster. They were going to try to move the ball. I'll be darned if they didn't do it. And like I said, it was a uh, it was an impressive, impressive thing for them. You know, of course, you know you, you know you got you know Tommy Hawkins, you know having his typical Tommy Hawkins day with four goals. Uh, Tyson Stengel, I mentioned him at the outset. You know, having gone back and watched some of his previous games when he was with Adelaide and I think a couple with Richmond, you could see that there was that little glimpse of this guy could be pretty solid. And I think he's going to make other people around him better as well. You know, that, that you know the Cats are – because now he's somebody that you have to focus on. You know, the, the Cats have had Brian Myers down there playing in, you know, in the small forward position. And, you know, he's – He's, he's he's kind of like a little bit of a sneaky player as well, but Stengel, I think, has even more speed than he does. You know, Patty Dangerfield had a fantastic game. I'm, you know what, if I can vote, I'll go ahead and vote. Let's go ahead and end the season right now and start finals now. Would that be okay? Um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, get the uh, final started now. Now, somebody had just signed up to come on, and I just sent you the link there, so should be coming to your email. But, no, yeah, I, I was kidding about the season ending that way. But uh, there was a glimmer of hope with regards to Essendon, though. And that was Nick Martin. And I'll tell you what, that's an amazing story, because as I was going back and you know, and doing a little bit of research, you know, I did see where they said that he had just joined the side recently, but I went back and Googled him and was reading up a little bit. You know, he had, you know, 27 disposals, 10 marks, five goals. 
in his debut. But what was interesting was that looking at the Essendon website, the welcome to Essendon page for Nick Martin was dated the 23rd of February. So what was that? About three and a half weeks before he played his first game with them. I mean, you talk about, uh, you talk about somebody coming out of nowhere and I believe he came out of the waffle. Uh, but you know, he's, uh, you know, he's, um, he's somebody who they can certainly, you know, maybe he is somebody they can build on. Yeah. Because you're always looking for more people who can, uh, you know, who can put the ball between the sticks for you. Now, look, moving on to the game up in Sydney between the giants and the swans. Now, Everybody was excited about sitting down to watch this game. Everybody was sitting there thinking, okay, Buddy's going to kick his thousandth. He needs only five. Everybody was excited to see that happen, except for Phil Davis. And Phil Davis said, nah, that ain't happening on my watch. He gave up one, but he didn't give up five. And, of course, I'm looking at it now. Now that task falls on the uh, the shoulders of the Cats defense playing at the Sydney showground on the home ground there where now he only needs four. So as a cat supporter, I'm a little nervous that uh, he could be getting his 1000th against them. And I suppose it could happen. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, I, and again, as a footy fan, I've never seen a player kick his thousandth goal. Okay. So I'd love to see that happen. And, uh, I just had somebody that popped up there that was going to come on here in a second. But, you know, you're looking at that game. You know, Luke Parker had a fantastic effort, you know, with uh, five goals, five tackles. James Robottom with 10 tackles. But you have to wonder, and this is what I was going to mention from earlier. This was a 20-point game, if I'm not mistaken. Now, I don't know if this guy is worth 20 points. But if Toby Green is playing in this game, is this a closer game? Or does GWS actually win this one? You know, I I, I wonder. You know, it'd be great if he, yeah, it'd be, somebody mentioned it'd be great uh, if he got it in the MCG. You know, as as somebody who's in Melbourne, I'm sure you would think would think that. But if you're a Swan supporter... I think you would love to see him get it there. Um, Oh, SCG. The print is really small on my screen. I'm sorry. Um, So I'm not sure why I had the, the guest who was going to come on. It popped up asking them to come on and now they're not showing up on here. It was up for a second and then it disappeared. So if you were wanting to come on, and it's just a series of letters, so I'm not sure who this is. So you can uh, you can always go ahead and pop back on there and click that button again, and I'll get you on here. But while that's happening, we're going to look at the uh, the Brisbane and Port Adelaide game. And this was a pretty closely contested game. It wasn't a huge scoring game. It was only an 11-point difference. And like I said, it was close until the Lions you know, ended up with five goals in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Lockie, Lockie Neal reminded us that he won a Brownlow once. You know, he had 31 disposals, seven marks, and six tackles. I, I'm i not sure why it is, but I just – yeah, I don't know. I just – Lockie Neal just looks like somebody that needs to be tackled. And I don't know I don't know why I'm saying that. He's a heck of a player. You know, I don't have a horse in the race here as far as that goes, but he just – that's just always kind of been my take on that. It's like somebody needs to tackle him, whether he's got the ball or not. Um, you know, my, my Coleman tip, Joe Danaher, you know, kicked four goals, three to start out. And I did see an article about uh, his contract situation. I want to go back and read up on that a little bit more because it looked like the league was a little curious about the compensation that uh, Essendon got and the amount of the contract that, 
that the Lions were now paying him. So I'm curious to know what what is going to be happening with that. And of course, you know, Port Adelaide is now banged up even more than they were. They were already missing Charlie Dixon. They're going to be without, you know, Xavier Dersma for a while because I, as I mentioned earlier, I think when you have a collarbone injury, maybe it's a bruise, but usually those will snap and they'll break or they'll get a, you know, a crack in them. They'll have to be, re, you know, repaired. Um, yeah, Dane Zorka was out as well, but then Lear Lear, you know, ended up leaving the game as well and may miss a couple rounds. So Port Adelaide is, is beat up right now and they're going to need to get themselves healthy as they go forward. And they've got, you know, they've got Hawthorne this week and, you know, Hawthorne is a, you know, side that got their first win. And this is a club that many people, and we're going to talk about this in a moment that people are tipping to compete for the wooden spoon as opposed to Essendon. But, um, yeah, eight to 12. Yeah, that's, I hadn't, I hadn't seen the updated injury report yet to see how bad it was, but I mean, that's, that's huge. If he's going to be out eight to 12 rounds, I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, he was all Australian. If I'm not mistaken last year, Yeah, that's a, that's a phenomenal player to not have in your side and have to figure out how do we replace him. Now looking at the Hawthorne and Melbourne game, you know, this was actually in many ways one of the more uh, entertaining contests of the weekend. You know, these are two clubs, like I said, that that people are looking at taking the wooden spoon, or maybe the right term is having the wooden spoon handed to them. I don't think anybody actually tries to take the wooden spoon. It's like, yeah, here's your spoon. Hold on to that for a while. Add it to your collection, as the case may be. But you know, you saw James Sicily come back, who missed a year. And, you know, he came back and looking like his old self, you know, 27 disposals. Another guy I would love to have on my side who just is, just seems to be, you know, excitement in a bottle is CJ Jath. And I don't know if there's a faster player in the comp, you know, it's, uh, you know, and he's somebody who I think, you know, is going to continue to grow into a phenomenal player. And, and I, you know what? I actually have speed like him. I'm fast like him right up until the alarm clock goes off and I have to get up and then I'm then I'm back to my old slow self. But you know, you had the uh the other you know, big name that was debuting, uh you know, Jason Horn Francis. And he had a solid debut. It wasn't it wasn't anything like, you know, Nick Dacos. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like several of the other ones from this weekend. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Nick Martian or Martin, not Martian. Good grief! Or, you know, or Josh Rochelle in terms of the impact on the game. But you know, he had thirteen disposals. You know, he had a goal ahead of behind. You know, Luke McDonald. You know, very solid with twelve marks and twenty-seven disposals. And both of these sides. Yeah, they're probably going to be competing for the wooden spoon this year. But the way I look at it, you know, when I put together my ladder predictions this year, and and I'm going to guess that most of you listening had this same issue. You know, I, I didn't have a terribly difficult time picking out who I was going to put in my top four. But I had a hard time putting together who was going to be in my bottom four. Because I, I think that many of those bottom four sides could push up into, you know, the nine through thirteen or nine through fourteen. I guess in the case, as the case may be, you, you can make arguments for each of them moving up, and you can make arguments for the other sides moving down, which is not a bad thing. I mean, that's that's parity. So you might find where you're going to have some clubs that are 12 and 10, 11, 10 and one, possibly sneaking into the finals in the number eight spot. Or you might find a, you know, a club that's got the wooden spoon that got six or seven wins, that they aren't a club that, that, you know, only managed to win two or three games that, but I think this, I think the sides this year, if everybody's health, you know, holds on, 
the potential is there for us to have a very competitive season where you have players from each of these clubs helping their club grow and, and leading to just having a, uh, you know, a very competitive comp this year. And, and I don't think you can ask for anything more than that. Sure. Somebody's going to wooden, somebody's going to get the wooden spoon. Somebody's going to finish ninth and not get into finals, but it's certainly something to build upon. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about what to see where this goes. I mean, I, yeah, I tipped the cats, I think to finish sixth or seventh this year. Cause I thought with their age, they're going to take a little bit of a tumble. You know, what they did last week when it was what 31, 32 degrees in Melbourne. I don't know if that's something that they can maintain all season. I hope they can, but realistically speaking, I don't know if they can do that. And it, you know, it remains to be seen. And of course, you know, Essendon is not going to play that poorly all season. I think they're going to come out this next week and they're going to have a, a fantastic game. You know, they've got, uh, who are they playing this week? I've got it written down here. They're, they're playing Brisbane at Marvel. So a great gut check game for them because they don't want to go 0-2. And they're facing, you know, another side that was a top four side last year. You know, I think that's one of the trade-offs there of, of you know, having been a club that made the eight last year that they, they have to deal with, you know, some better clubs they're playing against. Now, we've got two more games that took place this past weekend. And uh, I think this might have been the most exciting game of the weekend. And that was uh, that was Fremantle and Adelaide. And I don't know how big of a deal. Oh, they, yeah, I hadn't looked at, I hadn't looked around three. Uh, Daniel, just, Daniel just mentioned on here that uh, Essendon has the D's coming up after Brisbane. Ouch. The schedule makers were not very nice to them. Well, Essendon, if you get out of there one and two, that's not bad. If you get out of there two and one, that's fantastic. I don't think you could ask for more than that. But back to the Fremantle and Adelaide game. You know, I don't know how big of a holiday Halloween is in Australia. I don't know if that's just something that we dumb Americans do. But Heath Chapman, if you're into Halloween, you've got your costume already set up for next year. I'm fully expecting to see a picture of you come October 31st dressed up as a brick wall. That save at the end of the game, which, you know, basically saved them two points on the ladder. It was the difference between a a draw and a win. They weren't going to lose the game because the ball was going to have been touched. You know, it was it was really neat to see. And it was one of those things where you don't have a, a, a cheering interest in either of the sides necessarily, you know, as I always say, you know, I would love to see the cats win. And then I want to watch eight exciting games and saw a lot of exciting games this week, but that say was amazing. And, you know, both of these clubs were missing some key pieces and, uh, yeah, but like I said, this one might have been the most exciting. You know, Andrew Brayshaw was dynamite, 28 disposals, seven tackles. Rory Lobb and Lockie Schultz combined for five goals, five. You know, Josh Rochelle, as we talked about, 18 years old. He's 18 years old, and he kicked five goals and one behind in his debut. I mean, I, rem- I remember being 18. I worked I worked at a uh, the Kmart in town stocking the shelves at the Kmart. In fact, it's the only job I ever got fired from. And it's, as far as I know, as far as I remember, it's not anything I did wrong. It's that I was getting ready to head off into the military. And it was like a month from then. And they realized I was going to be leaving and they let me go early so they could bring somebody else in. So that, that's what I was doing when I was 18. You know, I, I wasn't in front of, you know, 30,000 people you know, putting five goals on the scoreboard for my side. I mean, that was, that was amazing. Now, again, both of these sides were missing some key components. You know, Nat Fife was not out there. Sean Darcy was not out there. Taylor Walker is not back out there for a few more rounds. You've got, you've got some people who need to be coming back into the sides. And again, 
Adelaide is a club that many people are saying could possibly be down at the bottom of the ladder or towards the bottom of the ladder. But this is, again, a side that competes. And I think I mentioned this in a recent episode, but I'll, I'll toss it out here again. I might have just said it to somebody in a conversation, but I was I was doing uh, my fantasy draft the Sunday evening before the season started. And there's a dozen of us who are here in the uh, in the States, um, people like Donnie Hess, uh, who does a podcast. He coaches the Des Moines Roosters in the USAFL. Uh, Gil Griffin, who writes for Footyology, who lives in the San Francisco area. Uh, if you've followed uh, a couple of young men out of the state of Georgia, Steez and the Don, who've actually got a USAFL side up and running, but they're also doing like watch parties on YouTube for all of the games. We're all on that on there. And, and I posted this on Twitter, but I, I maintain my composure during the entire draft right up until, and I had my, I had the cursor hovering over the little button next to one person's name. And it was, was Tom Duday. Uh, defender from Adelaide and I was ready to pick him and the the gentleman right before me picked him and I I'm already going to mark this explicit but uh I built it out and ah shit and you know I had to pick somebody else I think I think I took Jack Henry uh from the cats instead but I I had posted that on Twitter and I think I I tagged Tom Duday in it well, actually, you know, I mentioned it because he was he was advertising that he was doing a a uh, fantasy team and was asking people to help him name his club. And I mentioned this scenario and he said on there, he said, he said, heck, I wouldn't even pick myself on my team. Right, well, I did. And I, I was well, I was well, I was trying to anyway. Um, like he's, you know, a solid defender and, you know, and I just I don't know. And it looks like a stand up guy. So. Yeah, I think you know, the upside for for Adelaide is good. They've got to get some guys back in on their side. Same with Fremantle. Yeah, Fremantle. I tipped them to finish eight last year. I think I picked them eleven this year. They may end up, you know, teasing me. Um. Yeah. But uh, again, they're fun to watch, and that's one of the things I love about this is that I I I love watching all the clubs play. Now the last game of the weekend. And this was kind of cool because uh, I actually saw one of my guests from uh, one of my recent podcast episodes. I believe it was number 148, uh, Linton Martin, who's who's a Melbourne-based Gold Coast supporter. And he actually, he actually made the trek um, to... Uh, Perth to go watch the Gold Coast and West Coast game. So he was down there with the cheer squad with his flag and that sort of thing. So it was it was kind of fun to, to see that there. And he's posted some pictures online. So it's kind of neat to see that. But, you know, the Suns, you know, I'm sorry, the uh, the Eagles, they had a few of their stars out there. The Eagles are a, a veteran side. And, you know, when I talked to Waza King, when we previewed the Eagles, we discussed how, you know, the the cats tend to catch a lot of flack for being an older side, but the Eagles are almost as old. And, you know, I guess maybe it's that, that Victoria bias, maybe, you know, that they don't tend to get mentioned in the same conversation about being an older side, but they, you know, they had a few of their big names out there. You know, Nick Nat was there, Andrew Gaff, Jeremy McGovern, Josh Kennedy was out there, but the rest of their side looked like a mash unit. You know, they had players that they'd brought in off of a supplemental list to play the game. Number of people who were missing. You know, Jermaine Jones had a very solid game and reminded, you know, those of us who are Cat supporters why we were sad to see him go. But watching this Gold Coast side, and, and I know that a lot of people, because they, they tell me this, I hear it quite frequently, a lot of people talk about how the league has thrown a lot of good money after bad in keeping the suns afloat. And, and I understand that I, I, I get the, the sentiment there, 
But are they starting to turn a corner a little bit here? Now, yeah, they they beat a depleted West Coast side here. Okay, but this is a group here that's got a, uh, you know, a de- very solid developing midfield with Tuke Miller, Matty Rowell. I mean, this is, you know, Isaac Rankin is, you know, becoming a, a pretty decent um, small forward. You know, having lost Ben King can't help a whole heck of a lot. And somebody's mentioning here that they're going to finish bottom four. I think I had them tipped around 13th or 14th. So I wasn't too far off from where you are there. You know, I, you know, I wonder, you know, where, you know, where Stuart do is going to be next year. You know, is he setting the table for, for Clarko to come in? Cause again, you know, that gets discussed all the time. You know, where's Clarko going to be coaching next year if he's coaching it? Well, just, just follow, you know, the realestate.com.au and look at his account and see where he's looking at houses. And that'll give you a pretty good indication of where he's going to be. But, you know, they, a couple of their uh, new recruits, Mabiar Choi, Levi Casbolt, both kicked a couple of goals. I think it was a booster for them. Now, are they going to run to the eight? I don't think so. But are they going to make other clubs have to play their best to beat them? Very possible. Very possible. I because I think they've got, you know, a a growing talent base there. And the fact that Ben King signed on for a couple more years and Tuke Miller signed on last year, and supposedly Isaac Rankin is getting ready to sign on again. And I believe after this year, Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson, I think it's Noah Anderson, uh, are both, you know, eligible to move on somewhere else if they want to, but it sounds like they're both considering staying with uh, Gold Coast as well. So, like I said, I think it was a huge boost for them. But, you know, I, I wonder I wonder where, you know, where these clubs are going to end shaking out. Again, it's only round one, so we can't really project, you know, where things are going to end up. Because, you know, Essendon is not going to finish in the basement. They're not getting a wooden spoon. The Cats are likely not going to be the minor premieres with a percentage of 191. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that percentage. I'll take, I'll take that, but uh, it's not likely to happen now. Over the last few weeks, I've put out a number of episodes and I, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. You know, I get, I did preview episodes for every club except for Richmond. I would still love to sit down and talk with a Richmond supporter if you're wanting to come on, we'll probably be two rounds into the season, but I'd love to get your thoughts on where you think the club's going to be this year and going forward. So if you're interested, you know, drop me an email at a yank on the footy gmail.com or send me a note on any of my socials. You could do that by all means over on my website, a yank on the footy.com. Now I got a note in the mail from a group called charitable, which uh, keeps track of podcast stats. And they do comparisons and somehow one week back in 2020, I believe I had one week where I was the number seven football podcast in Australia. One week it was there. It was number seven. And then I fell off a table and I've been consistently down around 150, 160. There are a lot of footy podcasts out there. You know, I, I understand that I'm, I am definitely swimming against the stream being, you know, on the other side of the planet here, you know, so I'm, I'm just trying to carve out my own little niche uh, and do my own thing. And those, those of you who tune in, I love the fact that you do, and I can't thank you enough for that. But what was interesting is that last week I actually jumped up 89 spots on that list all the way up to number 72. So still, it's not great, but I thank all of you who have made that happen. You know, you sometimes see the, you know, the, the different teams celebrate, Hey, we're number one. We're in, well, we're number 72 and we'll see if we're still there next week. But uh, I can't thank all of you enough for tuning in and for all the kind words. It's, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of effort on your part. It's definitely uh, appreciated. And 
I, just, I can't thank you enough because I absolutely love doing this. I'm still going to have a couple glitches that I'm going to be working on clearing up with regards to the, uh, the live shows. Like I said, I did have somebody that was attempting to come on, but it didn't end up happening. Um, you know, but don't forget if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, the best way you can, uh, do that is to head over to my website and fill out the guest intake form. Uh, and I will reach out to you, you know, let me know who you are. If, you know, if you've got a unique story, you know, if, if you, if you have some, you know, a claim to fame or, you know, or, or whatever it may be, or a unique vantage point, you, you know, those of you who listen consistently, that's one of the things that I love doing is just talking to everyday fans everyday supporters about why they love their clubs and their history with their clubs. I mean, I love doing that because it helps me learn about the game in a way that otherwise I wouldn't be able to do. So I can't, I can't thank people enough for doing that sort of thing. And it's, it's the point in time right now where I actually have to go back and look at a list of my episodes, because I can't always remember off the top of my head, the names of people that I've spoken to. And that's not, to denigrate anybody that I've had on the show because you know, we're almost 200 episodes in now. I do hope you'll head over to my website and which is a yank on the and you'll get on the mailing list. Uh, so when a new episode comes out or I'm getting ready to go live, I can send you a, a link and, uh, you'll have that. So you can, uh, you can come on uh, and listen to the live episode if you choose to do so. You can also leave me a message there, whether it be a voicemail or a written message. You can leave a review for the podcast as well. And I had somebody recently leave a just a very. I was very humbled by the review that they left. I was I was so impressed by the words that they had to say, and I and like I said I can't be any more than humbled. I, I'm. I can't thank them enough for the kind things that they had said. Now, if you want to help out the podcast, you can do that in a couple of different ways. Okay. You can, you know, click on the little button in the bottom left-hand corner, which is the, uh, buy me a coffee page along with my storefront, which is up at the top. Uh, will take, take you to my Redbubble page. And it's kind of interesting because, uh, this past week I had kind of a unique situation. Um, uh, I had a, and I guess I do need to give them a shout out because they did this. I had three of my students uh, purchase things off of my storefront. Now, and they're and they're actually buying these things while they're sitting in class. If you look up the word awkward in the dictionary, I think this little scenario shows up there. Because what is interesting is it was actually the last the last week of the marking period of the grading period before grades for the third quarter are final finalized. So I don't think, I don't, I don't know if they're thinking that, uh, well, if we buy something, he might, you know, he might look favorably upon us. And while they're making these purchases, I am saying loudly enough in class. Cause I hear them talking to their friends. Cause they're all three in the same class. And I'm saying it loudly enough that, Hey guys, don't buy anything. Seriously. Don't spend your money on this. Don't don't purchase anything here because I don't want to hear it from their parents that somehow I was trying to compel them to spend their money on something out of my store. I think one of them bought a T-shirt and a couple of them bought a water bottle. So, you know, I don't know if I'm going to catch any grief from parents, but I was saying it loudly enough that I that hopefully the rest of their classmates can verify that I was telling them not to do that. So, yeah, I, so I do give them a shout out and a thanks for doing that, but they certainly, uh, certainly didn't have to do that. So yeah, it's just, uh, I was a little surprised when that happened because, because I'll get an email then that'll show me that, Hey, you sold a product and I, and I thought they were just talking about it. Turns out they actually did do it. So helps keep the lights on for a little bit more for the podcast, if you will. Now, again, remember, you know, if you, uh, head over to my website, you can get on the mailing list. Uh, you can leave a voice, voicemail, as I said before. 
I do hope that you'll share the episode, uh, this episode or the podcast itself. Word of mouth is the, is the best advertising. If you enjoy this show, it's a, it's a huge help if you can do that. And, you know, you know, I don't know if it's sitting down over coffee with friends and say, Hey, there's this dumb American doing a, uh, a podcast about footy that you might find interesting. Uh, or, you know, maybe you have an episode that you enjoyed, you know, whatever that may be. Maybe it was, you know, an interview with a certain person. And, you know, there are, there are several ones that I recommend to people when they, when they find the podcast and they say, well, which one should I check out? And I'll tell them which episodes I think are the ones they should look at first. So if you want to do that, that'd be a huge help. Again, if you want to leave a review for the podcast, that lets me also then share that out on, on social media. And, and folks, you know, we love this game. We're back into it. The women's comp is uh, finally got their finals set as well. I've not been able to, uh, I've not read up on that yet. Cause I know that the Adelaide game still had to be played. I think it was Adelaide and Collingwood still had to be played if I'm not mistaken. Um, that will uh, be happening this weekend. And I could be wrong on those two teams, but I know Collingwood hadn't played yet. You know, we've got our favorite clubs. We're passionate about the clubs we support, but we're, we're also people who love this game overall as well. So take care of yourselves, reach out to your friends, even if, well, even if you can't see them at the moment, if they're still, you know, out of state, you know, get on a zoom call with them, FaceTime them, whatever. And ladies and gentlemen, until next time, and as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. Good night.